Hi, Bex. Hi, Bex. It's lovely to see you it's today. It's lovely to see you. We're really thrilled to be joined this morning by Simon Bolger. Simon's an education consultant and also known as That Wellbeing Guy. Simon, thanks for joining us this morning. It's really good to talk with you. Oh, it's my absolute pleasure to join you both. So I'm really excited about this. So uh, hopefully we'll have a really good conversation. Yeah, absolutely. So it'd be really good for us if you could just start off by talking about this concept of well-being, what it means for you and what's the ethos behind your idea of well-being. Because we, we hear this term a lot, especially do, now. Especially in early years and yeah, education so as well. So it'd be really good yeah. to hear from you what it means to you. Well, this term has been thrown about quite a lot, hasn't it? And it's been a bit of a buzzword mm. that we've heard in education for a, uh, a number of years, actually. And now, I'll give you my definition of well-being, because I think uh, when I normally start with, uh, I go into schools and I talk with what's going on uh, in terms of well-being, I always talk about what well-being isn't. And I think well-being isn't, it's not cakes in the staff room, it's not yoga after school, it's not drinks down the pub on a Friday, it's not uh, a hemp or hessian basket in the staff toilet filled with delicious exotic body shop soap. <laughs> and it's not, a, it's not a lovely wicker basket that's got like guava and dragon fruit and stuff like that in the staff room, it's none of those things either. And it also isn't an empty cup left on your desk filled with chocolate with post-it notes stuck to it with a heart drawn on it that says, I love you. Those <laughs> And not well-being. All of those things have got a name. They're all called being nice. They're totalistic. Yeah. Now, I'm not saying don't do them, and I'm not saying they're not great for helping to show value and appreciation and gratitude to people. But my thing, especially when I was a head teacher of a school, I always said that when we did those sorts of things, how is that helping people uh, to manage their workload? How is that helping people to remove economic, social barriers, and physical barriers uh, that are preventing them from doing their jobs really, really well? So. My own definition of well-being would be, if you were to look in the dictionary, you'd find three words. And the definition of well-being would be that it's a state of comfort, health and happiness. Which is mm. fine. I think it's a, little bit, it's a little bit woolly for me. So I've got two other words that I like to drop in. So my first word is freedom. So I want everybody to be free. I want people to be the, free to be the person who they want to be, to be the person that they were born to be. Um, and if you, if you have an absence of freedom, then obviously you can't have high levels of well-being. You can't have high levels of happiness. I've got three young children, my kids are five, two and four months, and I want them to be free enough to grow up uh, to be as weird and strange and different as they Brilliant. want to be, but free enough for the world to actually accept them. Yeah, so that's totally. My first word. And my second word is ease. I want people to be at ease with who they are and at ease with their place in the world. I think a lot of us are on a bit of a treadmill trying to get somewhere else and they think happiness is off down in the distance somewhere and you always hear this isn't my life right now my life starts when i leave this job and i go and do that this isn't my life my life starts on friday night when i can go out to web space and hit a few sambucas that's when my life starts but i want people to be at ease with where they are in the world and when you are absent of ease there's a word for that it's dis-ease yeah. it's where the word disease mm -hmm. comes from so my one sentence definition of well-being would be the absence of dis-ease yeah Fantastic. Always, yeah, so I always said as a, as a head teacher, uh, my role was to try and remove any barrier that is uh, that is making you have a, a feeling of dis-ease and getting back into a sense of ease. So that's kind of my definition of well-being to start with. That's a brilliant definition, Simon. Just kind of blew my mind yeah, a little bit. Because well. like, we always say we're, we're, we create environments where... Um, Basically, everyone is understood where children are understood. So however they choose to communicate with their body language, verbally, non-verbally, their looks, it's really important that people are tapping into those. And we do that. It's really, I'm so glad we've connected with you because we do that 
so we allow children to have the freedom to be who they are, not to conform in a system that isn't right for them and not to conform in a setting that isn't right for them, for them to be accepted for who they are and to build on that. And But it's yeah. quite interesting you say that, Becky, because just listening to you, Simon, thinking about, yeah, we, we are, I think, generally, most of us are trying to celebrate that in children and, and support children. But mm. what I'm listening and what I'm hearing from you is then the the impact on those adults who are doing yeah. these jobs you know enabling these brighter futures for children how are we able to support those yeah, adults who can well, yeah. perhaps be a little overwhelmed and certainly I think in the the current climate with all the changes that we've had going on and all the trauma that people have been experiencing I think it's perhaps more more important than ever isn't it that right now I think there's there is there does feel like perhaps there is a, quite a high level of dis-ease at the moment. Just That's just from what I'm experiencing in, we in, in the that NHS and in the yeah, private work. We were just having that conversation, we were. weren't we? Yeah. So, so for you, Simon, how, you've mentioned that you were a head teacher, but how did this, how did this start for you? How has this sort of evolved into you being that well-being guy? Well, I became a head teacher quite young, to be honest. So I was appointed at 30 and started at 31. So... Uh, at the time, I was one of the youngest head teachers in the country, and people was going, "Oh wow, that's a real, a real achievement!" Like, oh my god, I wish I waited sort of ten years or so. Uh, and it kind of happened accidentally that I ended up in that role. And when I took on the role of being a head teacher, the governor said to me, "What, what are you going to do for our school, Simon?" And I said, "I want to create a school that's a, a great place for children to learn and a great place for adults to work." So I think. Like you say, this was even pre-pandemic, so the world is changing and challenging all of the time. And I think that too many people are just surviving rather yeah. than thriving. Yeah. So I, no, I think that what we need to be doing uh, is looking at, um, you know, I think so many people are accidentally living their lives on default. And I think schools kind of got stuck into that right as well. And because what I wanted to do was, my number one school improvement priority was developing whole school wellbeing. And I always believe that if we can achieve that, then we'll be taking giant steps towards ensuring that every door of opportunity stays open for every child. Um, so I worked really hard to try and make my school, I kept saying, we're going to make it the happiest school in the world. That was kind of my, that was that was the thing. Uh, and I wanted it to be great for the adults, I wanted great to be great for the children. Because the, the, the short of it, the black and white of it really is that if the adults are not feeling the love, then the kids don't really stand a chance, do they? No, not Absolutely. at all. We always say that the, the, the adult sets the environment, don't have anything else in the environment, just have the adult. That You can have the best resources in the world, but the adult sets that environment. If they're going in shouty, if they're going in, they've, they've had something going on mm. at home. They, they need to they need to be able to talk about that and they need to be able to understand the influence they have on young children's lives comes from them. It's a, mm. it's about them. There's sort of no other job like it, is it, really? No, but, no. Yeah. But, but the expectations on, on, you know, all of us that work mm. with children, whether that's through health, you know, early years and, and school-aged children, there's immense pressure, isn't there? There is a, you know, there is, so for, for you, Simon, that that was something that you you observed and something that you wanted to achieve. Did do you feel that you you were able to create that sort of environment? Did that happen? Yeah, the school that, yeah, the school that we created, like you could feel there was something special when you walked Brilliant. around there. You could it would permeate through. People always come and visit, and uh, you can say I'm a bit anal about it. The, the types of words that we choose to use around children are massive. I think the types of words we choose like build their worlds. Uh, and I was always a bit funny about certain types of words. I, didn't, I never wanted to hear the word clever 
because uh, the more you tell a child that they're clever, the more you reinforce it to them that uh, they don't have to try hard or that it comes natural to them. So there's little words like that. And we didn't use the word work in our school either. Uh, the reason for that is that there's all the messages around the word work. Everybody uses the word work at school, don't they? But I think if you just listen to the phrases that we use when we talk about work, it, it, stereotypically and archetypally, what you'd hear an adult say would be, get on with your work, do your work, have you finished your work, where's your work, all of those types of things. So when we say stuff like that, what are we valuing? Well, we're valuing uh, being right, being finished, mm. getting and being fast. And it's something that you're doing. And I think that work is something that you do. And learning is something that you are, it's something that you can be. So it was it was kind of like through that. And I, I, I read, um, it was Bounce by Matthew Side. I think that's what started it all off for me. Okay. Whenever that first came out, I kind of thought that there's something in this kind of this mindset and this high performance sort of culture. But I started to ask questions about why do we do the things that we do in schools? And I'd worked in, I worked in a fair few schools. And I always thought that education is is difficult right now but it's kind of always been difficult and when i do my training i always talk about uh whenever i'm unsure of something i always look to i always look to the place that gives me the most wisdom and we're going to lose a few listeners here right and that is the world of star trek there's a classic moment where captain kirk says to mr scott he says he tells them that he needs to figure out how to perform something called transwarp beaming. So that's transporting or teleporting someone from one ship to another ship whilst both ships are travelling faster than the speed of light. And Scotty turns to him and he says, that's like trying to hit a bullet with a smaller bullet whilst wearing a blindfold riding a horse. And I kind of think, actually, Mr. Scott has just summed up what education yeah, is Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I like that analogy. That's really good. Yeah, yeah. That's... I ended up asking questions like in schools traditionally we have all of these things that we do and i started asking questions like why are we doing it like that what is the purpose of that and who is it for yeah and it is well we've always done it like that so yeah. why would we <laughs> sometimes i look around and i think maybe it's just me maybe i'm the one that's like the the outlier because i started asking questions well, why are we doing it like that surely there has to be a different way yeah and with that side, just from something very small, it could just be something organisational, but that grew and grew and grew and grew, uh, and that really impacted massively on the staff in terms of their own mindset, their own attitude, their own like levels of engagement and purpose in what they were doing, but also the organisation of our school, because workload, we absolutely, I took it on head first, and we destroyed workload, and we, we really stripped down um, the workload of our staff. And I used to do, I used to do wellbeing servers all the time for the staff, and they would always say that the, the workload that we had, the workload strategies that we put in place mm. that met down for stuff was one of the best things that we had in our school. It wasn't an accident, that was something that we worked on. And, and it does, you do need to work on it, don't you? And you do need to reflect and you do need to understand the, the power that adults have and that's it. And, and, and also to understand the power that, you know, that they bring in, don't you? I think it was, it's a key thing you just said as well, Simon, and it, it resonates with us in early years when you said about... Um, challenging why things are done um, and sometimes you know we, we've worked with with early years educators who perhaps are feeling a little bit disempowered and it's like well you know I'm new this is how it's always been but again if you are given that ability to challenge you know and in question to question the why then what you're getting is you're getting that freedom to like you said right at the start that's part of well-being isn't it if you're in a profession that you really are passionate about and you believe in 
and you can challenge and you can make changes because you're questioning why is that happening and if, if there's not a good reason then you change mm -hmm. it so that does give you that sense of freedom doesn't it and it that's does. really that's really important oh we could talk to you all day simon this is brilliant i think we're gonna have to do a part two aren't we, i think we? there might have to be a part two. yeah <laughs> Yes, yeah, so how can people connect with you, Simon? If, if any of our listeners are wanting to, to sort of be in touch or to follow you, find you, where's the best place to, to track you? So you can visit my website. That's www.thatwellbeingguide.org. Uh, there's a bunch of free resources on there. I try and blog and write daily. That's what I try to do. Even if it's only a couple of hundred words, I try and get something on there as often as I can. Uh, and on there, there's a little box you can subscribe to my free newsletter. So I send a newsletter out every single week. It goes out every Monday. It's only one or two minutes uh, reading time. I call it three from me. So they're just three ideas from me. Just kind of, uh, it could be about your own personal well-being or organisational well-being. It's about just giving that boost for members of staff. Um, and it gets shared around quite a lot, which is quite nice as well. Um, and there's a bunch of free resources on there as well. There's a few things that you can you can buy as well. But Facebook as well is another great place to find me. I'm always on Facebook daily with bits and pieces. So even if you just type into the search at the top, that well-being guy, I've got a purple like logo. I'm the only one that uh, has that uh, sort of slightly quirky name. But you can find me there. But I'm on there. I'm on there every day. And I like people to be able to join in and join the conversation because I kind of think that. My overarching goal is to, well, it's really, is to change education in this country. People think I sound bonkers when I say that sort of thing, it's a bit of a goal. But I actually think that change is like the ocean, and the ocean is made of drops. And what we need to do is we need to focus on those drops, and the waves will come later. Mm -hmm. So I think every little interaction, every little positive interaction that we create through my work on social media, I see that as another little drop. Totally, every yeah, yeah, totally. I mean, and that that's what our, our mission mm -hmm. in early years is as well. So it's been so lovely con to connect. Thank you. Um, and as always, you can find um, me and Bex on www.thrivinglanguage.co.uk, on Facebook, Instagram. Um, we've got some lovely courses coming up, so head to those as well. Um, and we've nearly finished our book we're writing, so join us in that. So lovely, <laughs> lovely to see you today, Simon. Yeah, thank, thank you for joining you, us. Simon. Thanks thank you, Simon. Thanks ever so much. Bye. Bye. Pleasure to join you today. Take care. Thank Bye. you. Bye-bye.